Hey there, welcome to the Book of Medora, the show where we talk about all the Zelda games, the lore, the fiction, characters, the story. I'm your host, Crystal, with me as always is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Here today to talk about the upcoming 20th canonical uh, Zelda <laughs> title, Age of Calamity. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Crystal, I'd like to start this off by saying um, you get probably the biggest called it of all time with regards to this game. What did you do? Uh, you called that this would have um, probably a happier ending than the background of Breath of the Wild implied. Yeah, they're going to do an AU, a fun AU. <laughs> oh, it's not even an AU. I think that this has the this could occur within the Zelda canon universe, so to speak. Yeah, I'm sorry, an AT in the alternate yeah, 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 timeline. Yeah. God, that's a running theme for the Book of Midori, isn't it? It's like we have these questions and the answer turns out to be time travel. Yeah, I, I saw these articles like, they introduced time travel to Zelda. What does this mean? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> All the most famous games have time travel. They really do. They tried to put it in the first one, too. They did. Yeah. Zelda games are at least partially about time travel. So we should mark off donuts for things we called, I'm proposing. Okay. Crystal yeah. gets the first and biggest donut. Yeah, it's just like, get yourself a treat for everything that you managed to call before this. But we should probably talk about why we're recording this new episode. Oh, there's and, a demo uh, out. A demonstration of Age of Calamity, available on Nintendo Switch. Yes. And there have also been a few trailers since uh, the last time that we recorded. And it's all been introducing some interesting stuff. Crystal, can you can you tell us what happens in this demo? Uh, well, you start with monsters invading Hyrule Fields. I'm sorry, that's not how it starts. It actually starts with Hyrule being destroyed by the Calamity Ganon. And as Zelda awakens her power, a little tiny egg robot wakes up in her room in the castle. And then uh, a portal appears from seemingly out of nowhere. And <laughs> It humps. It, it, it makes a little whistle tune. I guess the theme of the uh, Age of Calamity. Yeah, Monica pointed this out. The The little egg robot summons the Gate of Time by, by whistling the main theme of Age of Calamity. Is that what happens? It was not yes. clear to me. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll need to watch it again. I'm sure that it's on YouTube. We can pull it up right now. And Cameron pointed out that online... Because the um, the letters have been translated since Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. um, they were able to translate the words around the the portal, and it says "Gate of Time." That's what it said, right? Gate of Time open. Oh, Gate of Time open. Now that's that's Hilia's thing. <laughs> Certainly is. Let's link Crystal. Okay, I'm going to put this link in the Slack real quick. Okay. And this should start in at about one minute. The specific part that we're talking about. And it's specifically the Triforce that wakes it. Yeah, it's in, it's stuck in a box. It's deactivated. The Triforce awakens it. It agrees with her mission to protect everyone. Yeah, no. Uh, it definitely does summon the portal by whistling. Yeah, it whistles. You're correct. <laughs> I might include the audio from that part. This is the most serious intro we've had. Like a cutscene intro to a Zelda it's high drama. But high anyway, drama. anyway, keep keep going with, with the story, Crystal. So the little robot goes back in time where Link and all the other soldiers of Hyrule are fighting the Moblins out in the Hyrule field. 
and uh, after after securing Hyrule Field, they stumble onto the little robot who seems to activate the Sheikah slate that Impa has. Well, let's let's go back. No, no, no. We'll, no? We'll, let, okay. we'll get to this after she's finished. Okay. And then uh, the Sheikah slate now has runes and has pictures from the future. The little robot has has saved images of Hyrule being destroyed. It's got a little SD card. So uh, Zelda and Impa and Link decide to go to Robbie and Pura, who are young because it's a because it's a hundred years ago, but not too young for Pura. Well, it's not a hundred years ago. It's like a year ago f- that the robot traveled. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are confused with the time frame, but you know, it's everything. The split happened and the one hundred years beforehand. So then, uh, they they get to. Per and Robbie after fighting off some enemy guardians. And that's when Per and Robbie find out everything that the robot knows and they decide we gotta gather up the champions. And that's about where it ends. Now there's some details in here. Yeah. Now, Crystal, um, you mentioned on Twitter that you found it surprising that it only seemed to go back a few months. Yeah, why that is surprising because when I, I I had saw seen headlines about time travel before I played this demo, and I I had thought, okay, time travel from a hundred years in the future, right? No, it's time travel from like maybe a year <laughs> in the future, maybe a few months. Because my understanding was once the guardians went bad, things went bad pretty quickly. Yes, but I also thought it took some time to gather up the champions. That's true. That's true. And it looks like that's probably still the case. We've seen a lot of discussion online, and especially, I guess, me, I browse the Z-Link tag a lot, and people are like, this doesn't seem to line up with the memories. And yes, it doesn't line up with the memories. They have they have branched into a new timeline where uh, things are, are definitely changing. Um, and... and the, the reason for that change is pretty apparent in the opening cinematic. Yeah, Whoa. there's a bit of a... There, there's one particular detail from that opening cinematic um, that I think is worth focusing in on. When the little guardian is about to jump through the gate of time... Let's have Crystal observe. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's getting attacked by a big guardian. Uh-huh. Let's pull that moment up in the trailer. If you are looking at the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity opening cinematic, it does by a GameSpot gameplay. A sweet dodge of the Guardian's laser beam, yep. but the going. kind of concussive blast in the air still pushes it into the portal. Keep going. And then it's in the portal. There's texts. Oh, so no, go back. It. What Monica is getting at is that the Guardian's laser isn't all that chased the little egg into the portal. Oh, did it get hit? Uh, it's not just that, it's the malice that swoops in after it. Well, let me do frame by frame here on YouTube. Yes, please do. So this is about two, uh, one minute. It's about two minutes yeah, two flat. Minutes. Oh, that absolutely gets hit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the malice does definitely get through the portal. Oh yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> well, it won't... after it gets hit, it's not maliced up yet, it doesn't look like... No, but the malice does manage to get through the portal itself, which explains, I think, a few things about what's different in this timeline. Because the monster attacks didn't really start in the original Breath of the Wild timeline, 
until about when Zelda and Link were going to check up on Daruk's training after Daruk had become champion. That's the memory scene where Link has just killed like a million guys. A million guys and has gotten lightly wounded. Ah, uh, but now the malice has gotten in, so the guardians are waking up earlier. Yes. That's one of the things. <laughs> the other thing is that you'll notice in um any when in that first mission when enemies are attacking, there's cases where some of the enemies are gigantic and swirling with malice. The implication here is that Ganon's power slipping in from the gate of time has allowed it to awaken many of its forces early and empower them to degrees that weren't supposed to happen until the calamity burst loose. So that's one of the, or probably one of the reasons where or why events are changing. They're different. Link's deflecting guardian beams. It took like, (laughs) it, it was supposed to come like six or eight months later. And not from a malice-infested one. Right, or even accompanying Zelda would have come after. Yeah. <laughs> because all of this um, that's happening in Age of Calamity is, memory-wise, um, even before Zelda has gone around in Breath of the Wild uh, to to recruit the champions, those memories yes. from the DLC. So what we're looking at is this is an era from before Link was actually a member of the Royal Guard, much less before he got the Master Sword, much less before he was assigned as Zelda's Guardian. And even that is before the champions were designated. So they're not even prepared. They have to rush into this. They have to rush into it because Ganon is also preparing things early. Yes. And Ganon's not doing halves about it. When Zelda and Impa and Link and the little egg are going through the breach of demise to reach the ancient tech research lab, uh, Malice infects one of the exposed guardians and it aims straight for Zelda's forehead. It just predators the shit out of her. That was a great scene. You mean Terminators? Yeah, kill um, Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah, but I meant like the red dot indicating that you're about to get killed. Does does this malice uh, also have knowledge of the future, so it knows what to do? I think that that's Ganon, at least carrying part of Ganon's knowledge. It recognizes that Zelda has the power that it didn't know she had before. Oh, Ganon! A bit of Ganon went back to meet Ganon. Yeah, it's double Ganon. Or Ganon awakened Ganon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Ganon probably knew that the line of Zelda's had the Triforce because that was what was keeping him in place. But uh, it's definitely the the Ganon from, you know, when the Calamity was about to, or ready to break out. And again, going a few months back. Yeah. It's probably not with foreknowledge of what happens in Breath of the Wild. Ganon before might have thought, ah, whatever, she won't awaken the Triforce. (laughs) But this Ganon knows, oh, she will. Unless you kill her. It's like, she did it right before I sent this back in time following the little egg guardian. Time travel. God. <laughs> it's, the, I think that really the best part of this whole thing is people going, time travel? In my Zelda? <laughs> in Zelda? There's a train in Zelda? My God. <laughs> this was really an excellent call on the part of the writers when we were talking about how they were going to do this. Like, How could they ever figure this out we didn't guess time travel we didn't guess time travel shame on us <laughs> i guess we would just say what if it's a what if story that was me uh what if story maybe no fool time travel <laughs> so yes this is i i went through an arc about okay this is gonna be fun au 
then the trailers started coming out. It's like, oh, this is going to be a canon. It's going to be a canon game. It's going to do Halo Reach. And now it's like, oh, it's canon. And it's also an AU. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's both. It's the, I think that, honestly, that's the best of both worlds. It is. Because it's not necessarily married to the gravitas and the tone of Breath of the Wild. So it's allowed to be a little bit or a lot of bit sillier. I can also admit this probably will be canonical because it has entirely segmented off yeah. into a separate timeline. Monica's now fine with it. Well, mostly, but we'll have to see. Now, since this is Hyrule Warriors 2, you think maybe they'll have the Hyrule Warriors version of Hylia Sia? <laughs> no. I mean, I... I don't think so. I'm not going to completely rule it out because this game has already surprised me pretty hard. You don't think someone at Koei Tecmo is going to push for that? I mean, maybe they could. They just want to get their 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 uh, goth GF in there. I feel like it, it's possible that a Sia skin would occur for, maybe for Zelda, but I don't think they'll have her be a story character. And Nintendo kind of came down very hard on the don't worry, Koei Tecmo did not write the story we did this time. They did. They did do that. And not a goth GF. I feel like it's a self-insert of oh. a fangirl. Oh, okay. Where did this egg come from? Okay. <laughs> it feels like you're leading into something, Crystal. Hit me. I don't know. At first I thought, oh, it's, uh, it's going to be a stable time loop. But no, that doesn't really make sense because things are so much different. Yeah. But like, where did this egg with the capacity to open the gate of time come from. Not and it's like it doesn't just open the gate of time. It can activate the Sheikah Towers. It can remote activate guardians. It uh amplifies the Sheikah slate and repairs it. It feels like this was supposed to like wake up whenever Zelda awoke to her power. Like it's activated by Zelda awaking the ceiling power. And then it's supposed to guide her in preparing for the battle with the Calamity. But in the other timeline, uh, well, whatever, both happens, right? Yeah, both happen. Yeah. But th the point is that Zelda's mom dies mysteriously, and then Zelda doesn't awaken, so the egg just stays in a crate. Right, Zelda had the egg. Yeah, but she it was, was like, oh, this is cute. There's been a few theories running around online, which was a game explain, or... I wanted to attribute the oh, yes, YouTuber. This, I think it's Game Explain, though it's originally pointed out by a Reset Era user that this particular um, mini guardian, the little egg, is the same color as the guardian above Kakariko Village who teaches you to do the flurry rush and parry. Oh. And it's the only guardian in the game that's white, so it's thought that they might be related to one another. Might be the same one, even. That might be difficult. That, that's that's what the YouTuber posited. And um, they were like, oh, maybe it was... It's also the only Guardian that, you know, stays dead. Yeah. After you kill it. It doesn't come back. However, those shrines were uh, set up 10,000 years ago. So the the timeline is really off on that, it, it, unless more time shenanigans are involved. Yeah, some people thought that maybe the egg ends this game. This is before the demo came out. Some people thought that the egg at the end of this game would go into that shrine ready to train Link once he wakes up. And upgrades itself, I guess. But that looks unlikely. Or right. you know what? Maybe when this egg gets a big guardian body, 
it's the one that shoots the laser at Zelda at Link to, for Zelda to awaken. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. I... The funny thing is, though, like, where do you think this egg came from, Crystal? Like, do you think that it, it, it clearly has super wild powers? Like, it has what we powers we would normally attribute to Hylia. And also, this implies that there is a link between Hylia's power and time travel and the technology of the Guardians. But, like, do we think that maybe this was created by the blood of Hylia specifically to guide future generations? This is surprisingly a little fire for the long discarded theory that 10,000 years ago was actually the Hylia War. Because there's a lot of Hylia shit going on. Like, the Gate of Time is her thing. It is. And you, in Skyward Sword, the Gate of Time did not make ATs. It was, it was, uh, stable time loops. It was until the Master Sword was placed that there was a branch. Yeah, it wasn't until Ocarina of Time that the other stuff started. Now, if it's the Hylia War, though, doesn't that kind of imply that the guy under the Hyrule is actually the imprisoned? It does imply that. I don't know if I buy that, because that guy is definitely wearing Gerudo jewelry. Yeah, that's absolutely Ganondorf. Yeah. What if it's I think not? That... What if it's just a different Gerudo guy? <laughs> what if another bad Gerudo king? George. Manendorf. Manendorf. Yeah, it's just like Gan- Nintendo gives us another evil swarthy guy from the desert gaga yeah yeah it's like uh (laughs) malin and marin yeah garendorf sure yeah i i i think that the way that this is working is that it was probably set up by like we can say that the sheikah made it sure whatever but they're working with the knowledge of hylia because their tech is clearly based on hylia's power and I think that this was probably created so that it could help people in the event that Ganon came back and the ceiling power had to be awakened. I'd sooner say that the egg was the first thing built by a Zelda or otherwise, and then the Sheikah then took that model and made the Guardians. That's kind of cool. That's an idea. Yeah, that does fit with the general uh, Zelda style of older technology is better. Yeah. I mean, when older technology is handed down by the gods, that does sort of make sense. If you think about it, we still have an invented technology that's as good as the oldest technology, trees. <laughs> sure. Trees? Yeah. They're the ultimate carbon sink. They tra- they turn pollution into oxygen. It's all good shit. Trees are great. We still haven't figured out how to do that. Yeah, why don't we just do photosynthesis? Why haven't we figured out photosynthesis? Because it doesn't give you enough energy for a nervous system. And the point is, <laughs> new technology just can't match up to what nature's already figured out. Maybe this is Hylia's champion. Oh. See, the first link. So- oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You and Monica both. That's what I said. Um, so <laughs> Not exactly this. Not exactly this, but the, the little egg guardian sort of um, in that cut scene, here's Zelda's um, proclamation that... She, she has to protect everyone. Nods and, and agree- nods in agreement and jumps through the portal. And then it's really funny because it seems initially stuck around Zelda a lot. Um, which, you know, Zelda does need to be protected, but really the whole thing was instigated by Link dying. So you'd almost think, really, it should be protecting Link. Well, the Egg Guardian didn't see that part. Yeah, but Triforce. Uh, fair enough. But... 
<laughs> I've had a lot of shit posty theories going on. Okay, finish this. Come okay. On. Okay. The Link dies in what's that field called? He the dies. Plane. Blattery plane. In the Blattery plane. His soul is transported into the egg thing. <laughs> the uh-huh. egg thing jumps through the portal and starts protecting Zelda. So it's two links. Yeah. Except one of them is a egg. <laughs> well, right. It's like when you die, you have both a ghost and a zombie. <laughs> and the zombie went in the chamber of resurrection and the ghost went in the egg. So this is what Link's soul is doing while his body is resting up. It's being a egg protecting Zelda, says Monica. <laughs> I, I don't actually believe this. It's funny, though. It's a funny idea. It definitely behaves like a little Link. Except after Link manages to fight off the Guardian, then the egg is like, huh, you know what? You might be all right. You're okay, buddy. Um, shall we get into other details about the egg right now? I mean, we could. I guess the, the, the thing is, um, in, in the sequence after the second story mission. Oh, Lord. After um, they beat the Guardian that goes rogue with Malice. Crystal, do you recall what happens? In the background. You're talking What's about what? in the uh, Peron Robbie scene? No, just before. No, I don't remember that. Okay, hold uh, hold on. I'll see if I can find it on the YouTube. Oh, wait, quick. there's a, there's like a little evil egg observing the castle, right? <laughs> there, there is a little evil egg who's watching them go into the ancient research facility. So we are simultaneously right and wrong. I guess Cam gets a donut for the little egg being genuine. At least for initial parts. But also, the egg is also evil. (laughs) Or there is an evil egg. Yeah. Right, that can't be... Unless that's set in a different time, that can't be the same egg. No. Now, see, here's the thing, though. This could be that egg from this timeline before it's found by Zelda, and instead the malice got to it. Oh. Or it could even be the same egg in the crate in Zelda's room. It's just that the malice made a beeline also for the egg to circumvent another attempt to jump through a portal. Well, they haven't right. dug up the egg yet because Robbie's never seen anything like this. Right. True. So that would imply that the malice went to where the egg was buried and possessed it. Oh, it's a good <laughs> egg and an evil egg. There's a good egg and a bad egg. I'm, I'm also giving myself a donut for that. <laughs> we were both simultaneously. Yeah, right. I think Crystal and you both get a little thing for uh, for uh, evil egg. So I'm yeah. up to two treats? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have a little melon gummies that I'm going to cash in. So we got two eggs. And I want to talk about the implications of the two eggs, but that can wait for just a second. This, this demo is so dense with bullshit that right. tells us how this game is going to go. Yeah. And but, when we're ready to discuss that, we can actually proceed on the opening cin- cinematic video a yeah. couple more seconds. Yeah, we'll do that for a bit. But I just want to start off by saying, Impa in this game kicks ass. Impa's yeah. great. She's so good. It's like, outside of that opening cutscene where her first line read I don't think is great, but then she goes, wow! And I thought that was fucking good. And it's like... She wants to pet the egg, but the egg won't let her pet it. And she's like, get over here, you little bastard. And it's like, no. And she's like, no. Impa's moveset is perfectly suited for, do you want to mash buttons and have cool shit happen? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, do you want to stick tags on a guy? Let's do it. And then you just do a combo finisher. And now your whole Shadow Clone army is here. There are so many moves buried behind different variations of button mashes. 
you can tell Monica's never played a Muso seriously I, before. Well, I mean, seriously, I Hyrule Warriors a little bit. I tried to be good at Hyrule Warriors as Link. As I understand the combo system, it's X Y is a combo, X X Y is a combo, X X X Y is a combo, and X X X X is a combo. Yes, though you'll get more X's and Y combos as you go through the story, of course. There's also combos if you're in the air or mo- special moves. Yeah. And also, there seem to be unique finishers for, like, the Guardian in particular. Oh, yeah. Crystal, did you get any of the weak point smashes on the Guardian? Yeah. Uh, wait, on the Guardian? Yeah, on the Guardian. I don't think so, no. Okay, because we're finding that there's at least two kinds of weak point smashes. And based on how specific the one for Link is, I'm hoping that there's more for other types of bosses. And I think that there might be because the treehouse didn't show us what the weak point smash on the Hinox is like. But uh, if Link gets a weak point smash on the Guardian, it shoots a laser at him and he dodges it real cinematically. Then he dashes forward, kicks off its leg and jams his sword directly into its eye. It's sick. That is sick. <laughs> it's fucking sick. Zelda pulls up a mine cart with uh, Magnesis, stasis is it, sets off like 20 bombs onto it, which uh, shoots the Guardian. In the face with a cart traveling at Mach 7, and the it just knocks the Guardian, like, takes its eye out. Okay, I'm back. Hello. Hi. Everything lined up? Yeah. Okay. Where were we? Okay. Uh, I believe that we were talking about egg. Yeah, there were some details about the egg? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, I can't remember if we were actually talking about details about the egg. Were we? What were you talking about, Monica? Uh, so we talked about an evil egg. Yeah, it's an evil egg. 
Ganon possessed one of the eggs. Probably and, the egg. Yeah, the egg. And we've also got a scenario where all the stuff is happening much earlier, which is a big reason that the first Guardian that shows up is such a problem because Link's weapons and Impa's weapons can't really damage Guardian armor. Oh, one thing I wanted to point out that I really appreciated was when the egg first appears and runs up to Zelda, Link grabs it and swings it away from Zelda. He seems to be the only person who understands that Guardian eyes are not good. <laughs> Guardian eyes have lasers. And this this is before he's even seen one shoot a laser. Yeah. He's just like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Can you laser parry in this game? Because I tried. It didn't seem to work. I've managed it two or three times, but it only works with Link that I can tell. Okay. Is the timing different? Um, the timing in this game is really odd because it feels like the window for both the flurry rush and the parry is even more narrow than in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, which is but, weird because Musou games aren't really about that. Yeah, it, it almost feels like a character action just frame thing now. And it's not that specific, but the window is probably like five frames or some ignorance. In Breath of the Wild, I got it perfect by closing my eyes and just listening for the sounds. That didn't work. No. <laughs> um, right, we were talking about moves, like uh, weak point smashes and so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the, the, I, I like the variety of them, and I'm looking forward to seeing what each of the different champions d- does with them. Because Link just stabs it right in the eye in a sick house action sequence, and Zelda uses... A magnesis and then stasis on a big mine cart and builds up lots of kinetic energy and then flings it straight into the guardian's face and impa just does this big dramatic sheikah slash across its eye and then it explodes the laser gets fucked up yeah it, it she fucks up its weapon it's um it's great i think having played the previous hyrule warriors it's great how they've adjusted it to include a lot of the breath of the wild mechanics and also when you're fighting those tougher enemies, they have you select a, an appropriate rune. Yes. And gives does more damage? I don't know what it does. Lots, depending. I really wish that the flurry rush window was a bit less tight, though, because I can only get it about one in five times. And I was pretty good at doing the flurry rush in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, for a second I thought, is Link the only one that can do this? Because I'm not getting it with Impa. But eventually I got it, but it was it was a strangely tight timing for a Musou game, which is usually about match the buttons and cool shit happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess they're doing that because the Flurry Rush is so powerful, and it automatically attacks the weak point gauge of powerful enemies, so you could do, like, tons and tons and tons of free damage to them, but it's fine. It's a Musou. Don't worry about it. Let us Flurry Rush easier. Let us Flurry Rush easier. You know, I realize why Breath of the Wild didn't have a lot of interior environments, because the lighting in the Robbie Pura scene is kind of broken. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a little funky, to be sure. I mean, this isn't running on the Breath of the Wild engine. This is still the Musou engine. It's just like using assets from Breath of the Wild, but it looks funky. Yeah, their hair and skin look a lot more plasticky and not like a fun watercolor thing. It's with all the blue, glowy blue stuff, I think. There, there's actually a translation error in the lead up to the second mission. I don't. Yes. It, it, I'm sure that a few people have caught it, but it jumped out to me and Monica in that when Rome is talking about how they're going off to the ancient research lab, he mentions Pura's lab being in Hateno, but the 
the Hateno lab isn't actually established until after the Calamity. They're going to the ancient tech lab, the royal lab, which was destroyed and you can only see the ruins in Breath of the Wild. It's where the frog memory is. Yeah, Rome is, Rome. that's canon. Rome's just a dumbass. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, we actually listen through on different language settings. They don't mention Hateno in French or Spanish or Japanese that we could tell. Yeah, it sounds like the treehouse did a goof. Oh, no. They did a goof. And it's probably too late to fix. Well, maybe it'll be patched out. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah. Regardless, it's uh, this is this is pretty fun. I I really like it, it. It's gotten me excited about the move sets that the other characters might have because these three characters that we can control now already have move sets that are cooler than anything in the first Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, they feel they feel very distinct. Crystal, did you um, get to play in the area that's just Lon Lon Ranch? Is that in the second level? It's in the first one, I think. No, I don't think it got there. Yeah, it's sort of, it, you don't have to really do anything in that area for uh, the first level, but there's a, a Korok. <laughs> there's a Korok balloon there. I did you catch can sh- a Korok on the bridge. Yeah, that bridge Korok. I think lots of people will find that one. There's like six in that one level, at least. And then seven in the other one? A very high amount. Apparently, they found about 13 Koroks in the demo so far. I did not expect this game to be such a role-playing game. However, do you mean? Well, well you level up, and you you get uh, resources to improve your equipment at the, at the blacksmith. Yep. Yep. How much do you like that the improvement for Zelda's is just the blacksmith, like plugging in a little memory <laughs> card yeah yeah upgrade her gpu yeah we were about to go wild over the ancient memory parts in one of the treehouse streams but it turns yeah. out that's literally just ram yeah i i didn't think it was ram like <laughs> <laughs> Cam, Cam and an i spiraled <laughs> i spotted it during the treehouse i spotted it during the treehouse demo and i was like holy shit Ancient memory. Memory from 10,000 right. years ago. It's right. going to be Assassin's Creed. We're going to see the truth. Uh-huh. No, it's just We're going to go back to Barbarian Link. It's just RAM. It's just RAM. It's, uh, yeah, it's your, uh, your gamer RAM, RGB lights. Zelda picks it up and she's like, oh shit, DDR5. <laughs> well, she can frigging like, do a, a fatal frame or whatever with the camera. Yeah. Zelda's so much better with the Sheikah Slate than everyone else is. Like, if I get creative with the Sheikah Slate, it's like, all right, see what you... Oh, my God. Yeah, I really like that Zelda's moveset is based around the runes. Yes. That's like, you could could make a Smash character around this. (laughs) It's it's the moveset that Smash was too cowardly to give us. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that somebody heard what Sakurai said. I said, not today. What do you mean, doesn't have a moveset? Not a fighter. Although I would have preferred her riding a guardian, but, you know, maybe next time or maybe later in the game. Maybe maybe she'll have three movesets. She'll have Sheikah Slate riding a guardian or like a guardian battle mech. Sure. You know, there's a theory around this new Destiny expansion. Uh uh huh. Some people believe the guardian, I mean, the traveler, you know, the the big egg. Right. Some think it's literally an egg and it will hatch. What will come out? The darkness. Maybe that's what will happen with this egg. 
Whenever you describe, I'm actually leaning towards the same direction. But whenever you describe Destiny lore, it all sounds like it means nothing at all. It's good. There's good stuff in there. All right. They got to learn a different naming schema, though. You don't like the proper nouns? I mean, when they're using general nouns as proper nouns, I'm not as huge a fan. Okay, how about they they introduced some new terms for these uh, forces. How about the gardener and the winnower? I mean, that's kind of cool, but I mean, like, it's a, it, when I think of names coming out of Bungie, I think of things like the Pillar of Autumn. Forward unto Dawn. Like. The, those are great. The, those are some names. Yeah, it was really fucked up when in Halo 4, the ship was just called the Infinity. Oh, piss off. That's not good. They really set the bar too high with Pillar of Autumn and Forward unto Dawn. Were those ships? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Those were ship names. Nice. And all the oh. ships are like that, like the unyielding hierophants. <laughs> yeah, th- somebody took a day off. Somebody got rotated out by crunch culture. No. Um, any other story beats or just little noticings in the demo cutscenes? Crystal. Uh, Rome sucks. <laughs> they didn't make him <laughs> suck any. I thought maybe, you know. They'd soften him up a bit, but they didn't. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, maybe maybe this will be where we get to see his the nobility that makes people flock to him. But no, he just immediately turns around and goes, hey, are you looking at them computers again? Are you looking at that computer thing that just came to you and just <laughs> activated the slate and is make, allowing everybody to do crazy ass shit? Stop looking at it. I don't hear no praying in there. You intend to have this little egg follow you around just because it's from the future and has amazing powers and knows everything? Okay. <laughs> sure, if that's what you're into, I guess, but don't forget to be praying. <laughs> God. It's weird because now he sucks even worse. Yeah. They, they leaned into it. I mean, there's still room for him to... I, they're not going to redeem Rome, Bosphoramus, Hyrule. He was looking sadly as they left. Sure. I know. Isn't he playable? Oh, he will be. There's yeah. no doubt. They've put out uh, art of him, Hestu, Pura, and Robbie. And I've been pronouncing Pura wrong for three years, as it turns out. But, um, yeah, all, they put out uh, art of them in the style of playable characters. So they haven't been revealed, but they're coming. What's Rome's moveset? He uses a great sword, so I have no idea. Okay. Sure, I guess. He could also, like, command soldiers in the moveset. Okay, that's that's cool. That would be kind of cool. In the original Hyrule Warriors, was the King of Red Lines was playable? Eventually. Or? He could turn into a boat. Right. Maybe a boat will just appear. Yeah, he summons <laughs> a boat. That's a different house. That's house um, Nohansen. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh. Nohansen is the boathouse. Horses? I don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even a little bit. This is all. This is all silly. And Rome. Rome is bad. Um. So there's so many things that I want to get into about this because, like, <laughs> this game is already on its like time bullshit, right? Yeah. I th- I think we should proceed by watching the trailer onward from after uh, the egg jumps into the portal. And then have Crystal describe what happens immediately after that. From the trailer? Yes. Well, not the trailer, the opening it's cinematic. Not trailer, yes, cinematic. From about two minutes and five seconds. Okay, let me see. 
Describe be, in detail. Yeah, be detailed. Okay, eggs going in the portal. The malice uh, from the guardian that attacked it is following it in. Fade to black. We see the big mural from 10,000 years ago, actually. And right next to Zelda, the egg pops in. But that's now, not even where he's going. Or is it? Now, here, here's the funny part of this, Crystal. I think that the narration here actually implies that this mural is about now in the context of this game. That is what it's implying. Now, here's another thing. Go back and look at the depiction of the Divine Beasts. Let's see. Do they have the champions there? You may want to give her Were a the picture. same champions there before? Uh, no. See, in the 10,000 years ago, it only depicts one champion per beast. Now there's, uh, we got two on most of them, but then we got three on uh, Meadow. Do we have three on Meadow? Oh, no, that's just its tail. We got two on all of them because it's a co-op game. I I think that what's happening here is that because time is turning out so differently and because things are going on such an accelerated mode, we're, we're needing to recruit the champions and get the Master Sword all roughly at the same time so that everyone has weapons that will be necessary to fight off the Guardians. And uh, we've seen in another trailer released that you'll actually have sequences where people will pilot the Divine Beasts and shoot up the landscape. Uh, that part looks really fun. <laughs> it looks too. really cool. I didn't. Who, did somebody call that? Um, I, that might have been Crystal. Yeah, actually, yeah, that was Crystal, that we would pilot the Divine Beast. Three melon gummies for Crystal. Yeah. And uh, did, well, you, did you say it too? I, I feel like I kind of did. We may have to re-listen to this. Yeah, but we'll give you a provisional extra tick for now. Okay. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think that things are, start, are going to go buck wild because everything's happening much faster than it's supposed to. And... They're not going to be able to do it all alone because of all the extra forces that are being like lined up against them. So they're going to actually have eight champions, or nine if you count Link. Crystal, do you see where this is going? Yeah, with I do. <laughs> so I think that we are going to end up with Sidon, Riju, Teba, and Unibo being pulled from the future to help out with the battle of a hundred years ago. Now, at first, I thought you were is going to be baby psych. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, it's more time travel. It's more more time travel. The implication of this mural is that th- this this war is going to be just as epic as the ten thousand years ago one. And in fact, the calamity is going to pop out and get killed. That does kind of imply what's going to happen, yeah. Yep. But it's going to take a lot to do it. Because, like, if you, if, what kind of future do you think the four modern champions are going to come from, though? Do they just show up and it's like, listen, y'all won this fight a hundred years ago, but we know that you didn't do it alone. So, like, a time loop. Sort of. It depends on what they want to do. The Zelda team isn't very consistent with this kind of story sometimes. Friend of the show, Cassie theorized that perhaps Breath of the Wild 2 could be set in both timelines. I'm not sure how that would work. How would that work? Well, here's here's what you do. The Ganon that's under the castle is the guy who was, is the Calamity defeated in this one, and the timeline's merged. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's timey-wimey bullshit. The Zelda team can clearly do whatever they want. We thought it was they three will. Ganons. What if it was four Ganons? <laughs> what if it was 35 Ganons? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's possible that the um, 
Unibo and um, Teba and why am I oh, Riju and Sidon are coming f- not from the future of the Age of Calamity, but from Breath of the Wild. But yeah, the future of Breath of the Wild. So it's reaching into the other timeline, right? It's possible. I guess. I guess the issue there is they're they're going to get killed pretty quick here. Are they going to go back, or are they going to not go back? Oh, they'll, they'll, if that this happens, they will go back. Resolved. Everything's happy. So the idea is that like the little egg guardian is an anchor in its own timeline. So it would be able to pull them from its own future rather than the future of the Age of Calamity. It, right. It would be surprising if they were not playable in this Muso game. It would just be weird if it was like, thanks for helping us out. Uh, yeah, no problem. Now to go back to my timeline and win, which I definitely will. That's exactly how it happened in uh, the first Hyrule Warriors, though. Yeah. In fact, it was even worse in that one. But I mean, like, if they're... There won't be a war a hundred years later if they win good enough in this period. So if they're pulling from the Age of Calamity timeline, then they're going back to a time of peace that they're preserving by coming back into the past and fighting. But if it's a time of peace, why would they need to train Sidon to pilot the Divine Beast? Oh, maybe they're coming from a time where it's like, we're going to lose this if we don't have more champions. So they're actually coming from a time where Ganon is even more powerful and won the fight. How long do Rito live? Um, Nobody in um, Rito Village remembers Link. Yeah, it, even the owl yeah. is speaking from a place of memory. Because Teba's uh, kind of legend. Mm-hmm. Teba's, uh, to our knowledge, he's pretty young. He's that young father figure. Yeah, Rito would be too young to be alive. Also, yeah, she's like thirteen or fourteen. They gotta do it. There's no way they don't have Sidon in here. I, I mean, there's two sets of champions for each divine beast. They're definitely pulling these four characters from the future. I think a lot of people glazed through this part, yeah, <laughs> which is just stated right away. Yeah, it's like it throws so much big implication at you that it's just like you don't even see it because it's dealing with imagery that you expect to be a certain way. That's why they. That's why we're here. They made this demo just for us. They, yeah, they did. This is truly the the gamer's dream of what if there was a demo and it had all the answers. It, yeah, right. It's like, oh, it's like any demo that has. It, this is basically like the first ten percent of the campaign, give or take. Right. It feels like it. It's the whole of chapter one. They said. Yeah. How many chapters do we think this will have? Uh, ten. Yeah, 10 feels right-ish. 10, maybe 15? I'm going to go hopeful and go, yeah, 13-ish. 12, 13. How many Hyrule Warriors have? I don't know, but there's 15 or 13 memories in Breath of the Wild-ish, somewhere in there. I don't know. We don't have any good indication. It could be any length, but I'm just going to guess it's like 10%. Anyway, that's a fun kind of demo. It's a good demo. So, with, with regards to the rest of what's going on, um, we, we also got a villain trailer uh, since we last recorded that showed off three of the primary antagonists of this game, though not the evil egg. So, right now we're looking at four antagonists. There is the evil egg. There is Master Koga of the Yiga clan, a second-in-command of Master Koga, who's like this really huge, buff, dual-wielding swordsman. Who's, who's Volga. <laughs> Ish. No, he he seems a little bit more like, eh. We'll see, I guess. 
And then he, he's meant to be like the rival character that Link just kicks the shit out of. And then we have what appears to be the fortune teller. The fortune teller. I think we all get a donut for that. Yeah, what's fortune teller doing? Um, the Gerudo symbol on the fortune teller. And they're carrying around some kind of ancient relic on the end of a staff. Eye on the forehead in the place where Ganon's jewel would typically be. Yeah. We. That was quite a moment when they showed up in the trailer. And I don't know if you yelled out, Crystal, but both Cam and I were like, the fortune teller. It was a big, oh, moment. Yeah, which, again, a lot of people kind of overlooked in Breath of the Wild story because they're only referenced in Rome's journal right. briefly. That there was somebody who prophesied about the return of Ganon and having to dig up the Guardians. And all of this just before the Queen died. So they unearthed the Guardians, exposing them to the malice as soon as Ganon managed to loose itself on a world that wasn't ready for it. And that's we're assuming what this character is. Now, it's possible that it's not. It could be like someone else. But come on. <laughs> Probably the fortune teller. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, uh, that's a Ganon right there. As the that's fortune a, teller to me. Yeah, that's an Aganum for sure. Yeah. Like the Gerudo symbol just about seals that, doesn't it? It really does, I think. Because, like, you'd only get, like, two bad kinds of Gerudo. There's Ganon. And Twin Rova. Now, the fortune teller could be a Twin Rova, but I got a feeling that it might be a Ganon. Yeah, a Ganon, also known as a Ganon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. that uh, t- Tom Marvolo riddle, I am Lord Voldemort. Uh, well, I figured that was what it was. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Um, God, what the hell was I? Wait, you've always thought that? Yeah, I've always thought that. Oh, shut up. You never told me. I thought that was obvious based on the name. Shut up. <laughs> What's the fortune teller's little orb staff thing? What's that all about? It looks sort of like an ancient core from one of the guardians, only red and evil. Because red is evil in this game. Well, purple's also evil. I, I figured that it if they're going to be playable villains, they're going to be a staff user. Magic. Magic user. I, I was running with theories, again, not entirely self-believed, on the egg thing controlling the fortune teller or the fortune teller controlling the evil egg, or either one of them showing up and revealing the Ganon eye. Oh, so you're talking about, like, the little shiny red eye of the egg rolls back and it's the malice eye. Yes. That would be freaky. That would scare the kids. Good. Okay. Crystal, regarding Master Koga, do you think that Koga is an inherited title? She could do live a while. And I do kind of like the idea of Koga being an old man in Breath of the Wild. Here's what I'm going to suggest. So Ganon possessed the egg, or an egg. That egg has time travel powers. Brought Koga back. Brought Koga back from this alternate future where he has a super competent second-in-command. So this is actually not Koga from 100 years ago. This is our Koga, only we haven't killed him yet. That's what I think. My, my running through, and I, I agree, I concur with Cam that this oh, is no. the same Koga. <laughs> but I think that the second command is probably the actual first in command of this time. Just Koga shows up and is like, well, I'm the boss now. And everybody rolls with it. 
He's like, oh, he's magnificent. We can't possibly go against him. I don't know about that one. I, I'm because it's like, a why would why would Ganon reach into the future and get help from Koga specifically when he has an actual competent? Ego? We don't see the second command in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, because this is an alternate timeline. Right. Different characters sometimes. Oh, what if we get like punished Sidon from the hard future? <laughs> We're not going to get new versions like well, that. We could though. Crystal, do you want to see punished Sidon? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you pull them just as they're about to be killed by the by the blight scanon. Yeah. So we got like this hardcore version of Unibo who's had to force past his constant fear of things. And Teba's the same, basically, I guess. I don't know what the fuck you would do with Teba. And Riju's like a general who isn't ready for the war but has been leading it anyway. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it would be good. These all sound very cool, but it sounds like a big expending of changing up the characters. That's that fine. I don't know that Nintendo or Koei Tecmo would do. Oh, no. They'd have to change the models. And no, and the, you know, their motivations. They already have to do new writing. It's fine. Well, you know, Sidon's supposed to be a, a fun common writer guy. That's true. He is a common writer guy. They want classic Sidon, not punished Sidon. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Punished Venom Sidon. Punished Venom Sidon. Got like a wedge of the light spear of the light scale trident sticking out of his head for no reason. No, it's because oh, he's no. a demon. It's because the water blight like shot at him with a laser and it broke the trident and a shard of it got lodged in Sidon's head. Where are we going with this? Yeah, it's a mind control device connects to the dual shock four. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway, yeah, this this game looks like it's going to have some wild bullshit in it. Yeah, this game looks cool. I, this demo sold me on the video game. That's something that you don't always end up saying. So I put it out. Nintendo doesn't doesn't put Nintendo demos are usually pretty good. Yeah, usually their demos their demos are all right. It also has the import into the full game thing, which I always enjoy. It's super good. But, I'm thinking that we might um, reset our. Uh, save data when the game comes out anyway because in three weeks Monica's going to have completely forgotten how to play. Yeah. You just smash the buttons. That's probably what I'll end up doing anyway, but... So I did. It worked. <laughs> Monica's figured out how to do the extended combo finishers for Link and I want her to be able to keep doing that. But also, we're, we're pretty overleveled. Yeah. And you don't care about that, but I care a little bit. Yeah. Cam cares about that. And she doesn't mind replaying stuff, so it, it'll work out. We'll figure it out when we get there. But yeah, I, I guess that... Are we basically caught up with Age of Calamity stuff until the game comes out? I think so. Or un unless they release something else. We might get another launch trailer. Did we miss, miss anything? Let's think about the other trailers or releases. I like how Link crams down food. We haven't really seen that in the demo, but we saw that in the, um, the playthrough that... Uh, they had? Yes. It, it's part of his two-handed weapon moveset. In the demo, we only have access to his sword and shield moveset, in which his special action is using a bow. And boy howdy, Link can use a bow real good. But um, You can also hit the guardians with a bow. Yes, I did actually manage to do that, Crystal. If you shoot them like absolutely pixel perfect in the eye, it will stagger them and bring up their weak point gauge. That's very good. Seems difficult to do because the bow controls aren't that tight. No, they're really not. It's weird that it feels a little bit less tight than it does. Well, a little bit. It feels much less tight than in Breath of the Wild. So I don't. I don't know. 
I don't know why it's like that, but it's it's good that you can manage to pull it off. And if you like, maybe it's good while they're aiming specifically at you, they'd hold still a little longer. But it, if you man, his special action in the two-handed move set is expending some of his health as temporary damage to up the power of his finishers, and he can get that back as part of his super attacks by cramming his face full of food before doing the big attacks. That's very good. It's so good. <laughs> and then who, think. Go on. Go ahead. Who from this game would be the smash rep? Impa. Yeah, that's kind of a lock, isn't it? I mean, they're not going to do it. They're not. We haven't gotten a completely new smash rep in, like, a non-clone smash rep since Melee. And Ganon doesn't even count because he's been a clone the entire time. The last non-clone smash reps we got were Zelda and Sheik. And we're way past the hope of getting any genuinely new Zelda characters until such time as we get a semi-reboot of the series. Impa would be cool, though. Impa would actually be the coolest. I hope that in future, like in future Smash games, they replace Sheik with Impa and give her more of a Sheikah-style moveset. Yeah, get this Impa, Skyward Sword Impa, uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors 1 Impa, and Ocarina Time. Oracle of Ages Impa. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fair. That That's our Smash roster. Impa, 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 and Impa. I'm... I'm glad. I know a lot of people were disappointed, but I'm really glad that Impa looks exactly like Paya. <laughs> Not exactly. Her with costume's some, different and her haircut's little, different. Right, and her um, eye on her forehead is a different color. But it's really funny. The family resemblance is there. <laughs> right. And that kind of establishes that familial looks are passed down very uh, closely. Yeah. I like that this Impa's a little dweeb, because Impa is traditionally characterized as uh, as being very serious, no nonsense. This Impa's a little, little bit of a goof, goofy character. And that's perfectly good. Yeah. I mean, she's serious when fighting. So it's a, it's I think somebody was like, how can she be so serious sometimes with such a total, you know, dweeb or airhead and the others? And I'm like, a lot of people are like that. You- I feel like I'm like that. I mean, I'm not weighing in on that one, but yeah, but folks, folks are like that. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, her having such a different personality compared to other Impas, and it's not like Impas always a super serious stone cold badass. They're actually pretty different characters from game to game with different arcs that are described as they progress. Like the Oracle Impa is very different from the Hyrule Fantasy Impa is very different from Ocarina of Time Impa is very different from Skyward Sword Impa. I, I think it's okay that Breath of the Wild Impa and Age of Calamity Impa are also both very different characters from the rest of the Impa canon. I'm just glad that we get playable Impa and playable Zelda can- canonically mm-hmm. in the same game. Well, and also, you know, yes, she's sort of serious and grandmotherly a hundred years in the future, but people are different when they're younger. A <laughs> hundred years can change you. Yeah. I like the way that Impa, Link, and Zelda have the exact same reaction to Robbie and Pura introducing themselves, where they just stare dead-eyed with no reaction. They just no-sell the hell out of it. It's good. I like yeah. Robbie and Pura. They're they're good. Also good is the way nobody seems to take them seriously. Pura actually sounds halfway embarrassed when she realizes that nobody is responding positively to her check-it. Yeah, because... She just needs to be uh, nine years old. Then it'll be cute. I guess so. Lord. I, I like that she's like, 
an Instagram star who doesn't realize that it's not cool to act like a 15-year-old anymore. <laughs> She's in her mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, girl, come on. Imp was just embarrassed as shit by her. It's good. I like that um, Robbie is introduced as a genius eccentric and Pura is introduced as an eccentric genius. It's a good joke. That is a good joke. I also like how, like all of the characters get pretty good um, introductions here, especially because Zelda is introduced as a burgeoning scholar first and a princess second. Yeah. What was, yeah. Yeah. What was Impa's? Uh, royal advisor, loyal friend. Oh, that's nice. Rome got a defier of prophecy. <laughs> that is that that he, is a hell of a title. He doesn't deserve it. No, it's too cool. I think the thing is, he's trying to defy the prophecy that Ganon is going to waken. Now, see, I think that he's defying the prophecy that the Guardians and the Divine Beasts are really important. And that, like, if he goes along with that prophecy, that means maybe Zelda should be focusing on the Guardians the way that she wants to. So that can't work. He seems to be down on pretty much all ancient tech research, which is why Robbie and Pura work alone in a lab 20 miles away from the castle. But the fortune teller moved them to dig up the relics to begin with. Yes, that's true, but they haven't kept up with those efforts very well. I... Hmm. Why is the fortune teller still around? Because Zelda's mom died a while ago. Yeah, like 10 years. What's the fortune teller up to? I guess they're running, uh, just sticking around to make sure that everything works out the way it's supposed to, clandestinely murdering people who might lead Zelda down the right path, that sort of thing. Getting more guardians dug up. Yeah. Or they could be working with the Yiga to try and get Zelda murdered. They do seem to be working with the Yiga. You see Yiga bowing to them in the tra- in the trailer. So we think that the the fortune teller is directing the Yiga... Is the evil egg directing the fortune teller when it shows up? Oh, it's like the evil egg shows up and puts out the call, and the fortune teller shows up and is like, yes, master. <laughs> I also, I, I really wanted, but that didn't pan out to be true, if the fortune teller was a hooded figure, hooded in darkness, and then the little evil egg eye pops up and it's little egg underneath the hood. Yeah. That would be good. That, that wasn't the case. No. But, it, you know, in future, th- that evil egg is definitely going to hatch into enough malice to break Ganon loose, right? You know, the fortune teller does seem to be a, a, a pretty skinny person. You might even say a bit uh, emaciated, a bit dry. Dehydrated? Dehydrated? Go on. Maybe it's, it's Ganondorf himself. Ganondorf is so dehydrated, he shrunk like four feet. Yeah, I mean, if the Yiga are bowing to him, then then that's Ganon, right? That does make sense. At the very least, it's like the embodiment of Ganon's will. That would be an Aghanim for sure. An emissary. Do we consider Aghanim to be Ganon, or is Aghanim just a guy that Ganon found and then started wearing like a cloak? I think Aghanim is a projection of Ganon. But what I'm suggesting is the body under the castle is this guy. Not from 10,000 years ago. But specifically this guy, the timeline's merged. Oh. <laughs> Again? Again. Oh, great. I mean, I, I could definitely buy the body under the castle being the astral, like, astral projecting, and that's the fortune teller. 
So it's like they defeat the fortune teller and the fortune teller's like, you have no idea what you're actually fighting. And then they just vanish. That, that would be cool. I would like that. So along the themes of the the story changing, um, what from the Breath of the Wild memories do we think will actually happen like Breath of the Wild and what will be different? I actually think that most of it's going to end up being different. The, the, I talked earlier about how the funniest thing is people going time travel in my Zelda. But for me, the thing that's actually like the most interesting to watch is people who are insisting that this time travel change isn't going to introduce major changes to the plot and that it'll still hit all the same major notes as the backstory to Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Z-Linkers who are trying to go like, when does the jealousy part kick in? And I'm like, no, or at least it won't be in the same way. Those what? beats will be completely different. What's your take on this, Crystal? Um, you know, I think if you want to connect the players with Zelda's frustration and make them hate Rome, Rome should just give you missions where you have to go pray at the springs. <laughs> oh. You don't even fight anyone. It's just a really long walk up the mountain to the spring. You have to pray there for like 30 minutes. It's like, fuck Rome. It's really bad. You have to pray there until you collapse from the cold. Yeah. I, th- I think there will be escort missions. Well, Zelda will be playable, but you'll you'll go up the mountain or whatever, but there's going to be a million things trying to stop. Probably. Do you think that this will hit the same major notes as the backstory to Breath of the Wild, Crystal, or is it going to turn into its own story? It will be its own story. It will be a happy ending AU. Okay. But Zelda will awaken the Triforce. How will that happen? Um, I think that if things are going are like... Ganon seems to be going a lot harder in this timeline. So, and the heroes are going a lot harder too, because like in the original timeline, the divine beasts were never actually used against the hordes of darkness. They were hijacked almost immediately. So like Ganon has to have a lot of extra power compared to the calamity of the original timeline. So I, it's still possible that Link could nearly die. That's the one thing that is the same between the timelines. I'm hoping for that because you know me. You but, want that moment. <laughs> uh, an equivalent moment. And it probably won't be a, a bad end. It will be, you know, he's okay. But I can almost anticipate that instead of Link nearly dying, it will be the power of friendship and caring for everybody else that would be okay right right i'm okay with that because that is also a form of love honestly i think that's better than the romantic love waking it up (laughs) fair enough um but i can also see the egg dying (laughs) in her awakening oh no not the puppy because this thing is just a puppy the puppy dies no crystal don't let the puppy die i mean you know maybe uh maybe it goes evil and has to die double evil egg two egg does it get rabies and they have to shoot it? No. No, it's like the the egg, the evil egg shows up and kind of sniffs the good egg. And the good egg is like, maybe I should be evil now. No, no, the, the good egg jumps the evil egg or, or vice versa. And they roll around cutely <laughs> fighting each other. But then they both get blue eyes. It's like, which one's the real one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Or it's like the good egg defeats the evil Ganon egg. And manages to knock it off of a cliff and it explodes. And it's like, you did it, good egg. And the good egg turns around and it staggers a little bit and it looks up and its eyes flash. And just once it flashes red and they understand. 
No. Or maybe the good egg shows all the pictures of the future where she awoke the Triforce because Link died. It's like, okay, what I got to do is kill Link. <laughs> <laughs> and it immediately turns around and starts shooting Link with this little laser that's no more powerful than a laser pen. It's just like irritating his eyes really badly. <laughs> oh, this is... I think that, in a way, this is the superior direction for the game to go for me as compared to it just just being the story of 100 years ago because now there's so many questions and possibilities. Yeah, there's a lot that could happen. I think that fortune teller will be relevant to Breath of the Wild too. Ooh. In some manner. Maybe that's Ganon's design. The original timeline fortune teller is still around even if they defeat this timeline's fortune teller yeah you didn't kill him nobody didn't kill him. him what if the fortune teller now don't don't laugh too hard but what if the fortune teller is the um demise timeline version of girahim oh because we never actually see that motherfucker die well no. if they're a sword yeah yeah just that's sword. yeah what happens that, to the sword i mean we sort of assume that he's killed in the war that is the backstory to the Minish Cap. But yeah. I mean, like, and the writers of Skyward Sword clearly thought they were making a closed time loop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they failed spectacularly, <laughs> but that's what they thought they were doing. So, I can write three different types of time travel one game. It'll be fine. It'll just be fine. Now, let's consider Age of Calamity in the Accursed Timeline. I think we should probably wait until we actually play it. Right. Huh? It doesn't really have a place right now. Can it fit on any... I guess we just had it all merged together. Breath of the Wild comes at the end of the timeline. Yeah, you just have a little hook before Breath of the Wild. Yeah, this is the split. I like the additional split. <laughs> We're back to multiple timelines just like that. <laughs> God. I love that Zelda stories or the timeline is becoming more and more nonsense as we go along rather than making more and more sense. So we have to bend and reach and flex extra hard to fit it all together. Yeah, no, see, that's Hilia's strategy. It's like, okay, Gan's merging all the timelines. What I need to do is just keep making more. <laughs> a good a solution will present itself eventually. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it took him like uh, a few hundred thousand years to merge these three, if I make like 12 more, That'll give me a few million years. Yeah, that sounds right. Now, did I award points for the fortune teller? I don't think I ticked. I mean, I think you did. Did I? I think so. Crystal, did I? <laughs> I don't remember. I was... well, you can I'm have just... melon gummies if you want. Sure. Oop. It was the wrong tick, but okay. You're up to like five melon gummies, Crystal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are these the, the Japanese ones? Melon gummies? Yeah, the Japanese ones. melon gummies. There's oh, Japanese those are real snacks good. in this house. I got ramune and melon gummies and uh, little squid treats. I was always very fond of the peach ones. Those, those are, are my favorite. I think I mailed you a few. You did. Those. Your first care package that you sent to me back when I lived in Louisiana had peach gummies in it. And I was really taken aback by them because it was like individually wrapped gummies. What the hell is this? And I ate one. And I was like, oh, that's why they're individually wrapped. They, each of the, they're just good. <laughs> It tastes like juice. So yeah, Age of Calamity is going to be some weird bullshit, and I'm here for it. And mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely recording at least another episode once the game actually comes out. Yes, of course. The I'm only question is, several. will I list it as episode 22? Ooh. Oh. Because only the canon games get to be numbered. 
Wait, I thought we were up to... Isn't this the 20th potentially canon game? Yeah, but Breath of the Wild got two. Right. Oh, wait, maybe the timeline was 21. Right, yes, that would make sense. Okay, so once the game comes out... Right now, do you think it looks like it's going to be canon? Yeah. Canon alternate timeline? Yeah, of course. It's they. Here's something that Monica did not get a tick on is that she said she would only accept it as canon if it was Zelda giving a uh, unreliable narrator version of events. But it being an alternate timeline bullshit made her instantly turn around and go, "Okay, this is fine." See, they were misleading in the the marketing materials, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that they were misleading. They were like, "See what happened a hundred years ago," and no, you instantly changed everything. <laughs> five seconds into the game loading up. I like that they got the shock of this game's actual premise out of the way three weeks early. Yeah. Now everyone has time to adjust to it. Yeah. But they were they were not entirely honest and I made my assumptions on that. I'm now maybe seventy five percent will be canonical. So this is Breath of the Wild remake. Yeah. Alternate timeline. No, because, mm-hmm. see, in Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, you're uh, remaking the events of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, no, no, we're going into the other point that I deserve a donut for. Oh, what's that? The sequel to Breath of the Wild coming out in 2020! You know what? <laughs> That's actually... Yeah, what yeah do you I mean, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monica yeah, wins. Monica does win that one. Yeah. I mean, if if we want to be assholes about it, we would go, that's not the game they put a trailer out for last year. But yeah, you did get your sequel to a true Zelda Gaiden in the year 20 and 20. We Thank you. Had- it was very clutch for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a real Zelda Gaiden since I was a kid, since all of us were kids. Was Majora's Mask the last one? Phantom Hourglass. Is Phantom Hourglass a guy then? Yeah. I guess it kind of Okay, okay, okay. Phantom Hourglass is a guy then then. Okay. That's still 10 years. 12 years? Jesus, when did that game? 2007? 2007, yes. Oh my god, 13 years ago. Okay, that's bullshit. Anyway. Triforce Heroes is is Nintendo's canon, the guy then. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be the same link, isn't it? I genuinely don't know. The Hyrule Historia is a mess, and I don't pay a lot of attention to it, to be perfectly honest. Oh, we we watched a... Was it a Did You Know Gaming on Link's Crossbow Training? Oh, yes. Uh, on, it's worth On canceled Zelda games. Yes. Oh, yeah. Link's Crossbow Training was supposed to be Twilight Princess 2, and Miyamoto was like, you can't have a story. You're not allowed. So make it into this small thing. And they were like, oh, okay. Then it'll be a rail shooter that uses the Wii Zapper. And it'll have like a cool story and lots of boss fights and really deep levels. And he's like, uh, n- hold on. No story. No story. <laughs> no bosses. No bosses. And all the levels have to be completable within three minutes. You can have one boss, but they manage <laughs> to sneak in two. Yeah. It's like Miyamoto went on a long weekend and they managed to sneak in two whole bosses. I always felt a bit bad that we didn't discuss Link's crossbow training during an episode, but I don't feel that bad having seen this video. It's a it's a worth watching, so definitely go see it. Yeah, did you know gaming uh, canceled Zelda project? Something like that. You can find it on the YouTube. The most interesting aspect of that video was the idea that the Oracle games were going to sell dungeons 
uh, through microtransactions. A la carte <laughs> dungeons. Uh, Capcom, uh, literally 10 years ahead of the game. I think the, the also an interesting um, thing about that is Capcom basically blackmailed Nintendo saying, if you don't give us the license, we are just making a clone of Zelda. We'll do it. That's like... And, and Miyamoto was like, ah, I like your style, kid. Your moxie. It's weird because I, I tend to think that it's like Miyamoto has this myth built around him where people tend to attribute a lot of shit to him that probably isn't true. But then you hear that stuff like what happened with Link's crossbow training. And it's like uh, those myths are definitely based in fact. Yeah, it he seems really like he just wants to make uh, Donkey Kong. And if he could, he would spend a lot more time making Pikmin. But the ones who are higher up than him are like, listen, Pikmin only sells like 800,000 copies per. We Music outsells Pikmin. You How many years ago was Pikmin 4 uh, almost done? Uh, that would have been 2014, 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Slight tangent back, but Link's crossbow training sold amazingly well. Yeah. It sold like, how much was it? Six million? So better than Pikmin, better than, better than Wind Waker. Waker. Better than Wind Waker. Shit, it would just sold better than Link to the Past. It sold better than the majority of Zelda games. Part of that's probably it being on the game, uh, on the Wii. It helped that it was only like 20 or $30. But yeah, it sold a lot. It, it sold better than almost any modern Final Fantasy. The, the Wii was a wild console. You just it look was at Wii a, sales and it's like... Uh, Carnival Games, 30 million uh, sales. You look at uh, Mario Kart Wii, 37 million console sold with this item. What? Shut up. The Switch is turning to be about that, right? Not quite, but... No, it's actually selling, like, it's not packing in stuff, but it's actually selling software much better than the Wii did, believe it or not. At least Nintendo software, which is ridiculous. It's hard to... Anyway, yeah, Miyamoto, the villain of the Twilight Princess era of Zelda making. Well, it's, whole- it's different now. Now we get this game, we get Cadence of Hyrule, we get uh, fan- funny experiments. We do. It's it's a much more interesting time to be a Zelda fan, I think. But I think we've just about exhausted Age of Calamity for right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You up, you're up for a few questions? I would love some questions. Okay. Uh-huh. Where can they send us some questions? Oh, you can send questions to Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Why? That's Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. We've got quite a few, actually. Yeah, we, we, got, we got plenty. Let's see. First one comes in from Casey. Hey, Book of Medora crew. I started listening to and finished the podcast between the final mailbag episode and the timeline one, and I missed my chance to ask a question, so this is very exciting. Question. So knowing what Nintendo has done lately with the Zelda franchise by creating a game engine and using it again for another Zelda game, as seen in Ocarina of Time 3D and Majora's Mask 3D, Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes, and Breath of the Wild in the sequel. So I wanted to ask, what would you like to see be done with the Link's Awakening remake engine, if anything at all? Thank you for reading this. I really enjoyed Book of Medora a whole lot. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Also, Zelda 2. Zelda 2? Was that the same? I don't know if engines were as relevant back then. <laughs> I think 
that they would i think various people have described zelda 2 as the one that they'd need to change up the most so just do it in the old you know top down zelda style well i mean you can use this engine to do a side scrolling thing an engine just describes how different assets work together i mean the visual style yeah, def- yeah, I could, I could see that work. What would you want to see, Crystal? When Ocarina of Time 3D came out, I was convinced, okay, they're going to make Majora's Mask, and then they're going to make an original game in this style. But they didn't. Ah. Uh, so you want an original game? Yeah, I want, I want an original game that looks like Link's Awakening Remake. Okay, so you're thinking a top-down 2D Zelda? Yeah. I think we're going to get that, actually. Like... If we had to hope for anything with that engine, I would also hope for something like that. How well did Link's Awakening do, a remake? Let's look, um, I'm guessing well. I'm going to guess multiple millions. I don't know off the top of my head exactly how well it does, but the last numbers I heard for it were like 3.5 million or something. Uh, it sold over 3 million copies in 11 days. Yeah, it actually like outsold the original release of Majora's Mask. And since then, it has probably outsold the original release of Wind Waker. So it's done pretty well for itself. We haven't had one of those, you know, short handheld Zeldas. Nothing is really just handheld these days, but I can definitely see a new game. But I think I'm going to say Zelda 2, just (laughs) Adventure of Link it. Or Samus Returns it. Sure. Well, let's see what's going to happen is they're going to make their fourth attempt to remake Zelda 1, and that'll turn into a new game again. That sounds fine. Sure. I mean, that sounds absolutely fine. I'd be I'd be for that. I actually really want to see should... uh, like we haven't gotten a new a genuinely like single player new top-down Zelda since Link Between Worlds. It's been long enough. A, a remake of Zelda 1 would be nice too. Like a graphical total graphical update into this cute little toy box style. That'd be fantastic. I think that the toy box style works best for Link's Awakening because it's a dream. Yes. I think that some you'd you'd get the chuds who are like, no, Zelda One is a serious dark game for cool kids who pressed the plastic buttons good when they were young, Mister Aonuma. Zelda One's a kids game. It it was super a kids game. <laughs> yeah, all of these all of these are games for children. It's like you know when that Mario sixty four remake came out, people are like, man, oh, it's hard to go back to Mario sixty four. But it's like. This was literally a game made for six-year-olds as their first 3D game. It actually has a lot of tutorialization. You're just not reading the signs. Yeah. And it still works for that, even. Yeah. Like, I I was playing through it uh, back when the 3D collection came out. And as I played through it, I thought, wow, this feels like it's very specifically calibrated, especially the first few worlds, to teach you how to move in 3D. It it still feels good for what that is. Its controls don't feel as good as later 3D Mario games, of course. But as Baby's first 3D game, it's really good. Like my, that's the only 3D game my sister has ever completed. Got it in one. Got it in one. <laughs> Can you imagine the world where they didn't get it in one, and like Bubsy 3D was the premier 3D platformer. Oh, I will throw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There are still some people who argue that Tomb Raider is the most formative 3D platformer. Well, they can believe what they want. <laughs> we can't we can't ta- we can't tell them. We can't change their minds. Next question. Oh lord. <laughs> okay, I shall read it. It is from Emily. 
Emily writes in, Cameron once tweeted that Escaflone and Zelda were in the same universe. Please explain, Cameron. Is that what I said? <laughs> you were the one who tweeted it, or didn't. <laughs> I, I guess I must have. Um, What's Escaflone about? I know it's an isekai, and it was made when isekais were for girls. Instead now of listen, boys. <laughs> we're going. To, I, I'm actually going to take issue with this. It's not an isekai. It is the precursor to the isekai genre. It's what you call a portal fantasy. Oh, to the tune of Narnia or um, the uh, oh, what is it? The Yellow Brick Road. Help me here. Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. And Escaflone is like that. Portal fantasy was a much more feminine genre than the modern isekai was. And isekais are usually predicated on somebody living a parallel life in a world that allows them to be themselves. And in that sense, it's a lot like a portal fantasy. But portal fantasies aren't power fantasies. And isekais are usually defined by having a lot of romantic candidates. This is much more of the feminine... Twilight, you know, the werewolf and the vampire-ish. Yeah, it's like you you get two guys that you're really into, and maybe over time you realize you're not as much into one of them. <laughs> but, like, everybody in the world should watch The Vision of Escaflone. I don't give one shit. Everyone. It is maybe the only anime of its era that holds up as well as it does. You get get a Funimation trial account for two weeks. Binge the Vision of Escaflone. Just fucking watch it. You heard it from watch Cameron. It no good animes from 1996. <laughs> well, we we rewatched Escaflone recently, and we're like, it's it still holds up. We watched it like, uh, was it was it a year ago or was it in like Less March? Than a year, yeah. It was like near the beginning of quarantine, maybe just before it. That was that's that's thirty years ago. Regardless, in fuzzy times. Fuck. Um, regardless, it's still good. And watch it before you continue the podcast. Just pause it now. Go watch this 26 episodes. It's the best 26 episodes of anime you can cram in your eye holes. Where can I watch The Vision of Escaflone? You can watch The Vision of Escaflone currently streaming on the Funimation website, I believe. Uh, And you can get a two-week trial to watch it for free and do that. If you only watch one thing on Funimation, don't watch My Hero Academia. Don't watch fucking whatever else is on there. I don't give a shit. Watch Vision of Escaflone. Tinchi Muyo's on there, too. Don't go back and rewatch Tinchi Muyo. You'll (laughs) discover, like I did, that it doesn't hold up to your memories very good. Unless you're looking for, like, a horny harem anime, then it's exactly what you're looking for. (laughs) Maybe I'll watch some Vision of Escaflone later today. Oh, Oh, lovely. That would be so good. So, Escaflone... Oh, you only need... You know how most people say you need three episodes to see if an anime is for you? Escaflone gets that shit in one. So, how would you describe Escaflone, Cameron? Um, it's a... Crystal doesn't... Do you care about spoilers, Crystal? No, I don't care. Okay, so... The comparison for this comes from the fact that the ancient peoples who act as the background elements of Escaflone elevated themselves by creating an engine that manifested their collective desires. It was very much like the Triforce. And that's it. That's the whole thing. It's like they're people from the sky who were winged, who were the caretakers of the engine that could shape creation. That's just Zelda. (laughs) Oh, that's where you were going with this. Yeah. This doesn't really describe Escaflonia itself. No, not at all. I'd say it is... Shoujo. It's so shoujo. Cameron and I argued about this Don't back this. when we were wee children. No, it's in the past. 
And it's because of the marketing when it was dubbed. Oh, right, yeah. Probably watch the subs. I watched... Yeah, watch the... Well, the, English the English translation is actually is, quite yeah. good. But the way that it was edited to be put on the Fox Kids anime block at the time, uh, they tried to edit this very, very femme-coded show. They cut out like an episode. They cut out multiple episodes worth of stuff and tried to cut it together so that it would be more marketable to boys. And that the boy was the the hero character with his big mecha. Yeah. It, it's a shoujo. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's so good. I'm reading here that it has both a shonen and a shoujo manga adaptation. It sure does. Um, and actually, the manga were originally made at the same time. And it was originally going to be a shonen series where the main character, Hitomi, was originally going to be like a nymph, sexy character who powered Escaflone by being naked or something like that. And then a new director came in and said, you morons, <laughs> we're going to try to sell this to girls because girls like stuff. And it turned into... Maybe like they had a budget, but not time for making 39 episodes. So they just f- took 39 episodes of plot and fit it into 26 episodes. So it's not just immaculately made. It's also paced so much better than its contemporaries and covers so much plot. And it feels so good. There's no wasted episodes in the whole thing. That sounds good. There's also good mecha design. Oh, the mecha designs. It's actually by the same mecha designer who worked on, uh, I think Gundam 0083 Stardust Memory. 083 sucks, but the mecha designs in it are fucking fantastic. I don't but know yeah. enough about Gundam to know if 083 sucking is a controversial opinion. I I don't know either, honestly. I like, listen to I, the I Great Gundam uh, podcast. Is it good? <laughs> I haven't listened to it. I listen to other podcasts from Abnormal Mapping, and those are good. So it's probably okay. good. It's probably good. But regardless, yeah, let, let me know what you think of Escaflone when you watch it. Like, get one or two episodes deep. Let me know. Watch that shit with Lamb. I bet Lamb will like it. Yeah, Probably. I please don't... do. <laughs> the, the, the only Escaflone I've seen is 15 minutes of the 2000 film, and it was not good. I haven't rewatched the film. I remember that it was a movie about two depressed kids, and I didn't quite understand it as good at the time. I've been meaning to go back to it, because I'm depressed, and now I understand what that's like a little bit. It's a very quiet film with a lot of major changes to... Like, it's basically like an AU version of the same story. It's the vision of Escaflone, Age of Calamity. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's... You couldn't tell if you would like the the anime series by watching the movie. Right. Both of them are composed by Yoko Kano, though. Oh, that soundtrack is so dope. Holy shit. Like, there's an argument to be made that Cowboy Bebop isn't necessarily the best soundtrack that she did that decade, because Escaflone is tight. Ooh, yeah. I do like Yoko Kano and She's the so- seatbelts. Yeah. Yeah. Take away anything you want from Cowboy Bebop. Nobody can take away from that music. Oh. Anyway... Yeah, Escaflone is in a way just Zelda, but more, sh- even more shoujo. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like someone who worked on Skyward Sword watched Escaflone. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's exactly what happened, actually. And probably because I was watching and playing around the same times, I definitely did see a lot of parallels yeah. all over, visually, anyway. <clears throat> Shall I handle the next email? Yeah. Hey yo, Crystal, Cameron, and Monica. It's Whistle again, that rambling oddball who also thinks too hard about this sort of thing. Starting with some follow-up as regards the Legend of Zelda's friendly species. Firstly, Tokes, the friendly lizard people on Crescent Island in Labrina. 
You brought them up to regards to my thoughts on friendly Los Alfos. And that's where the conversation ended. I, I, I remember doing this. I remember that being a thing. We said that Tokes were basically friendly with Los Alfos. So here's what I'm going to ask. What do you think on Los Alfos or any of the sapient enemies becoming friendlies in the same manner Deku Scrubs did in Majora's Mask? Now, I know those are Terminan Scrubs and not Hyrulean, but the essence of the matter stands. Speaking of, I'd love to see the Deku Scrubs come back in the Breath of the Wild sequel as enemies with a tribal flair, like more crafty and gorilla bacoblins that can alternate between spitting nuts and ducking with Deku stick turned spears. That would be really cool. Holy moly, mind-blowing thought just occurred to me. What if the Zonai are or have become Deku Scrubs? Hold on. I need to stop for a second. I need to process this. Okay, I'm good. They both live primarily in humid southern tropical regions full of greenery. They're both fairly enigmatic to outsiders. Some of them decorate with red accents. Just imagine the potential. Link is told to find a lost tribe of the mysterious warrior Zonai, and after fighting through seemingly disappearing guerrilla fighters in a dense swamp slash jungle, and when finally he arrives at their village, instead of coming face to face with stereotypical tough, muscly natives, he instead gets caught in a net, knocked out, and wakes up to a bunch of scrubs looking at the weird Hylian that has ancestral Zonai magic on his arm. Sorry, got a bit carried away with the imagining part. Anywho, what do you think of all these things? Would you like to see the Woody Boys come back in the Breath of the Wild sequel? Also, are there any specific enemies you want to come back more than any other, i.e. any that weren't in the first Breath of the Wild? With my typical lack of brevity, whistle. Okay, before getting to the PS, I think we can go ahead and talk about what's in this part of the email. What do you, what's your take on this stuff, Crystal, on Zonai Deku Scrub? That is very interesting because they do have the spirals. They do live in the woods. Link Link has been tied to the forest before. That's true. That could be Children interesting. In yeah, I'm into this. I wouldn't want them to have what you what uh, what what white society would describe as a tribal aesthetic because I don't think Nintendo would do that very well. They've done it very poorly in the past. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that one. But give them a cool red uh, warrior hat, and they just have little swords and their little wood hands. Yeah, instead of the hat, in that case, it would just be like some red leaves. Yeah, 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 leaves, leaves. Okay, I'm not against this idea. I do like the idea. uh, I I think that probably the Zonai aren't Deku Scrubs, but the Deku Scrubs coming back in Breath of the Wild sequel would be very good. I do miss them a little bit. They're very silly. And they, they shouldn't be locked to the N64 era. I also think Nintendo will make any group of uh, species said sapient that fits, you know, their purposes for the gameplay. Yeah. You will see a cute Lizalfos at one point if they were like, hey, it'd be neat if there were lizardy people here. Like Tokes. Like Tokes. Yeah. Crystal, do you have any enemies that you would want to return that weren't in Breath of the Wild? Enemies? Yeah. I'm not too attached to any of the Zelda monsters, really. That's fair. They brought what back about the Lynels. Those are cool. They did. They they brought back the Lynels in a big way. I feel like we're going to see Gibdos, but oh, not Gibdos. that I want Gibdos. <laughs> Monica hate Gibdos, actually. And Redeads. She hates Redeads. Oh, but- the re- Yeah, no, yeah. Halloween. They're recording this on Halloween. Gibdos and Redeads. Yeah, it's got to be the thing. But especially since you're in this, you know, if in Breath of the Wild 2, you're going to be underground with desiccated uh, Ganon. There's probably a lot of corpses down there. Right. Ooh, Malice Redeads would probably be the scariest of all. I think that if I were to see an enemy come back, I would want to see the return of the Iron Knuckle. 
Ah. Oh, yeah, we're doing Gerudo stuff. And if we've got that, we can have Iron Knuckles where you can wield their weapons after defeating them. I fully expect to see Iron Knuckles in Age of Calamity. Ooh. I don't think we will. I think the we've already got an idea of what the general mobs are going to be like. But if we did see them, that would be very exciting. We have the Bacoblin. Yes. Then we have Moblin. We know Lionels are in there. Lionels. Hinoxes. Hinoxes. Anything else? Guardians. Uh, Guardians, choo-choos. Uh, I feel like there's going to be... Oh, Lizalfos, okay. Mm. You, you feel... Oh, Wiz robes. True. Something in between Lizalfos and a Guardian. Oh, interesting. That would be cool. Or uh, an Alinals, rather. Dodongo's coming back could be very cool. What are you looking at me like that for? I just mean in the sequel to Breath of the Wild, not Age of Calamity. Okay. Throw a bomb in their mouth. Throw a bomb in their mouth. Enemies where the ideal way to defeat them is not using your weapons, I think could be a cool spin on the Breath of the Wild formula. You know, I realized that Iron Knuckle is the first Dark Souls boss. Oh my god, it sort of is, isn't it? Yeah, you fight it exactly like a Dark Souls boss. Uh, yeah, you, you just wait for it to attack, and then you move in and hit it while it's recovering. And you get you think you have backflip out of the way. Yeah. Do a, do a side dodge as his axe comes down, hit it in the back. And just stick to its butt. Yeah. Yeah. Monica, you fought Iron Knuckles. You could play Dark Souls. Yes, I could. <laughs> I, I, I believe firmly that I could do that, similar to how I could play Hades if I applied myself. Hades is a good video game. Yeah, but I can also just watch. I'm playing play Dark Souls 1 for my partner. Uh, I have been recently. And let me tell you, it's hard to go back to after Sekiro. <laughs> Completely uh, different instincts. It feels like it would be hard to go back to just after Dark Souls 3, even. Yeah, I definitely like, oh man, stamina, right. I can only hit like two times and I gotta dodge. Woof. I feel like, I feel like after all that, do we still want to do a Bloodborne episode? Yeah. All right. Bloodborne, Bloodborne did me wrong, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm willing to still record an episode. Why did Bloodborne it. do you wrong? Well, because when I was, um. We finished the story. I finished the story. And as I was going through my second of what would have been three fast playthroughs to finish, because all I need to do was get all the weapons from the DLC and finish the other two endings. And that would have been all the Chivos or trophies. Mm -hmm. But while I was going through a part of Bloodborne in the middle of, I can't remember exactly what kind of battle it was, but as I was picking up some Blood Echoes, my PS4 crapped the bed and crashed. Oh, no. And And it corrupted my save. So I lost all my progress, including all the Chalice dungeons that I did. And I had done a lot to get to the... To Marin Queen. Oh man, do you have cloud saves? No, I don't have. I don't subscribe to PS Plus. Oh jeez. Yeah. There's a happy ending in which we put a pin in Bloodborne, and then we moved on to Hades and had a lot of fun playing through Hades. So. Yes, it's been a hoot. <laughs> you should all play Hades, maybe on the Switch. I think that when it's time to do the Bloodborne episode, I would like to rank the bosses. Um, not according to difficulty or quality of the fight, but according to how tragic they are. All the Bloodborne bosses. See, I just keep thinking of Sekiro, which is a Sekiro episode. <laughs> so it's you're like, saying I should play... Bloodborne? No, that was a Sekiro boss. 
I mean, the ape in Bloodborne is basically the bloodletting beast. Yeah. Not very tragic, though. <sighs> the ape is very tragic. Oh, I'm sorry. I, well, the bloodletting beast is not. It's hungry. It is, it's definitely hungry. That's a fact. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll read this P.S. Sorry, Whistle. I got... We got sidetracked. Oh, okay. P.S. I know you guys floated the Deku Scrubs being Zonai as an aside in the previous mailbag. Just wanted to clarify that I am proposing the argument in present future tense, not past tense. I'm not simply proposing the Zonai began as Deku Scrubs, but that A, they intermingled and the Zonai adopted some style from them. B, after being wiped out, the only ones who have any knowledge about the Zonai after 10 millennia are their scrub cohabitors. And or C, the spirits of the Zonai live on in the Deku scrubs. Anywho, hope you guys get this postscript correctly. Have fun theorizing. I think we did. Thank you, Whistle. I'm imagining a fun little sequence where you go to the Deku village. You know, it's like kind of like the Gerudo village where they won't let you in. And most of your clothes, Deku's only. Then you put on the barbarian armor. It's like, oh, hey, it's a big Deku scrub. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That would be very good. come, Come in. It's like um, those baby seagulls that, like, they tap at the red tip of their parents' beak. I talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, as long as you've got the right red shape on your head and enough red, they just go like, hey, a Deku scrub. And then you can go wildly overboard with the red coloring to maximize their choice, even though it doesn't look like a seagull. Which is how the zone I cohabitated with the Deku scrub so easily. Sure. I'm just talking about the seagulls again. Yeah, those seagulls, that's wild. We've got to look that up so we can show Crystal that video. I've tried in the past. Anyway, if you, you have seen this in your biology class or something like that, please Send write in. in. <laughs> write in. Book of Medora podcast at gmail.com. Maybe it's not even seagulls. Maybe it's penguins. Something, Maybe, Some kind of bird. Some kind of boyd. That feeds its young. Maybe most birds are like that. I don't know. <laughs> we okay. actually have an email backlog now. We do. Yeah, quite a bag. We should do a mailbag. We should do a mailbag. Do you think you have time for one more, though, Crystal? Yeah, let's do one more. Uh, hey, Medorites. I recently finished binge listening to your podcast and was a bit surprised that Gramps, the street pass old man, never came up in your Link Between Worlds discussions. Suffice it to say, after completing all the achievements or battling the various shadow links generated either by street pass or by the game, Gramps will challenge the player to duel him in the same style as the shadow links. He states he sets up bounties for the Shadow Links in order to find someone strong enough to do battle with. Given his strength and skill, the clear intent seems to be that he is a past Link, likely the one from A Link to the Past. But given that this does not fit with the Medora timeline, I was curious about your read on this character. Thanks for reading my email. Dresh. I know we've talked about him in an episode. Was it not in the Link Between Worlds episodes? It might have been the Twilight Princess episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was more likely the link between worlds episodes or one of the mailbags. But we, we only talk about him in passing. Like the bit where Monica presents her theory that Link Between Worlds is actually a sequel to Twilight Princess. I could that that would be the one where it would come up if I were to guess. And we all have the answer here, right? It's just Twilight Princess <laughs> yeah, Link after Twilight. It's the hero's shade. <laughs> oh wait, or the hero of Twilight? Sure. Hold on, Monica. Me and Crystal came up with different <laughs> answers <laughs> compared to you. What's this about the hero's shade? He's an old man. Oh, okay. I was thinking ghosts. No, no, no. No, because the hero of Twilight. Okay. Yeah. It's just Link. It's like, I beat up Ganon. You beat up Ganon. Let's see who can kick each other's ass. Yeah. It's it's the Link from the backstory of A Link Between Worlds, the hero of Twilight. (laughs) Yeah. 
God, I can't believe that that's still the best explanation of the canon. Most airtight, ironclad. It's like the ratio of ironclad to just fuckery is at its absolute pinnacle. My shitpost theories? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both numbers are at like 95 or 100. Yes, yes. I, I sometimes like going back and listening to Cameron's exclamation of, no, Crystal, you don't understand what she's saying. <laughs> God. That was a good time. Being on your wavelength a lot of the time is a journey. God. Oh, since it came up uh, for some of our listeners, I do want to register that I change my mind all the time. My, my view of canon just shifts seemingly at random, depending on thoughts that I have during that day. That's one of the principles behind my participation in this podcast. I will say things that sound different, and my understanding of the story is always changing. I think it'd be the same for Crystal and I. You know, if a game, a new Zelda game comes out, and it totally upends the Cursed Timeline, we will simply remake it and reshape it. Yeah, that's in, that's in the intro to the Cursed Timeline. It's, just, it's all made up. Y'all, you can just change it whenever you want. Yep. It's so fun. We'll adjust the giant PDF. So, yeah, the timeline setting for Age of Calamity, because it's like you would think that it's just going to be a split timeline, but it has the potential to do some alternative fuckery with it. Like, what if it ends up affecting the original timeline, too? Yeah, you know, kind of like the egg goes all the way back in time and meets Hylia. And establishes the ancient civilization. Oh my god. It's the one that the robots are based off of when uh, uh, Nehru starts... Not Nehru, but... Um, what's the name of the desert dragon? Lanehru? Lanehru. When Lanehru starts building the robots, they're based on the egg. I'm, I'm thinking at the end of Age of Calamity, um, there is evidence of a ruinous underground on under the castle. The egg takes a photo and then jumps back into the Breath of the Wild timeline. Oh, and it runs up to Link and Zelda and it's like, beep, boop. And Alert. They're like, and they're like, what the hell is this? And then Zelda takes out the Sheikah slate and she sees and she goes, we should go down there. Ta-da. The egg is your Navi for Breath of the Wild 2. That'd be cute. Oh, and it would be so super canon. Can we ever go back now that we've, like, obviously we will have to go back because Nintendo just be that way. But, like, having playable Zelda in a more or less canon game feels so good. She doesn't do, like, a bad girl trot either when she's running. She just runs like she's running. Yeah. Some of them don't have good, sometimes you don't have good run animations. Like, Lana's run animation looked bad. What's bad about it? God, it was just an impression that I had based on it. I couldn't recall the specific off the top of my head, but I think she was doing that thing where you hold your forearms at a angle where they're almost 90 degrees with your upper arms and swing them back and forth while you're running at like 80 miles an hour because this is a Muso game. It was a cute girl run. It was, yeah, the cute, but, the anime cute girl run. That brings up that Impa does the Naruto run. <laughs> yeah. Monica, it's just faster. You're more aerodynamic. Okay. I mean, who's running faster, you or Impa? Impa, I guess. Uh-huh. And which one of you is doing the Naruto run? Impa, I guess. Well, there you go. Naruto runs faster than regular running. The Sheikah were the original clan of the ninja village. I don't know anything about Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> You're better off. I heard skin. It's a pretty decent manga. It's just yeah, and, a million chapters, so I'm never going to read it. Yeah. That, that Completely fair. It's a lot to get through. Thanks for all the emails. You can send more emails to... Podcast at gmail.com. 
bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. you have anything to plug? Um, I don't really have anything to plug at the moment. You can follow on Twitter if you want. I'm on Twitter at CamWriter. What you plugging? I'm on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. You know, what we haven't plugged in a while is AudioEntropy.com. It's the, the podcast network we're a part of. Lots of good podcasts on that uh, site. If you like this one, I'm on a few. I hear that you're on a live play podcast. Yeah, on an actual play podcast about a, uh, a, a tabletop RPG that friends of the show Luke and Molly made called Eidolon Playtest. It's based on the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure manga anime and also the Persona series of games. You have like a little Persona slash stands. And I'm on one of the campaigns. There's two, Eidolon Pop and Eidolon Rock. I'm on Pop, but they're both really good. That's something that folks should definitely listen to if they're interested in actual play at all. It's also the Let's Plays podcast where we scientifically, objectively rank every game according to its quality. Uh, MCU Complete Me is starting back up. So we're talking about the Marvel movies. There's Teenagers Attitude. It's all about the Power Rangers. There's uh, Cast. Dustin talks about anime. It's the anime of the day. And friends, do not forget to go onto patreon.com slash arcane crystal, where you can support Crystal and her placement on these many excellent podcasts. Many excellent podcasts. Also, twitch.com slash video entropy. We're doing a variety of streams for Extra Life to, to raise money for children's hospitals. You can watch all the streams there. I did a Sekiro race the other day. I don't think it was archived, but... uh. You know, we'll you know, be doing things like that over the next few weeks. If you follow tw- Crystal on Twitter, you'll hear all about it. Yeah. Let's let's uh, end this with a good good old-fashioned joke. Do you have one lined up? Yeah, this comes in from Casey. Oh, shit. What did Hilda order at the Lerulean Olive Garden? I think we did this last time. Oh, my God, you're right. I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh Alas, man, look up a joke. But oh. it was a great joke. So oh, good okay, joke. So, so good. I'm not I'm getting low standards here. Uh, upjoke.com slash Zelda dash jokes. Recently, I was playing Zelda on the SNES. It was really only to the past. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is heinous. That's great. I'm for it. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye.